It's good to see all of you here tonight. Word must have got out that I was speaking, so if you are not here. <laughs> I know a lot of, uh, there's some helpers in the back with the children's play, and so all of our, some of our youth and our children are back there assisting. I have the pleasure of stepping into the eighth church. Uh, and I know that's not uh, biblical, and the Bible says not to add to, but Brother Steve told me to. And I'm respecting my elders. <laughs> and I'm leaning in on his wisdom. <laughs> no. Amen. No, it's a... When I think of... I'll call Maryville Church of God. I'm, I'm truly thankful that I have the pleasure of being the pastor here. And, you know, I've traveled all over the world. I've been in churches in many different countries, uh, raising funds for missions. I was in a lot of churches uh, throughout the states. Um, and I will say there, there's not a perfect church. I mean, because we consist of people, and people uh, have imperfections. And so, I recognize that, and, you know, I don't, I don't expect perfection. I, I expect us to do our best for the Lord, and that's what's most important. I think we should strive to do our best, and when we honor God and strive to do our best, then we can glorify Him in everything we do. Amen? So I just want to start out by really uh, declaring a little bit of, giving a little definition of some things that we have already established, but to refresh us on what is our core values, you know, who we are. You know, we, we are a Church of God church, a church of God that is a part of a, a, an organization, uh, to me an organism that is growing, it's alive, it's not a, uh, just a, a body of men who are directing us from a, a distant place. We are a people of God who are growing. We, there's uh, over 13 million people attending the Church of God all around the world, and uh, it is a, a growing church. It's not a declining church, uh, a church that um, you know, is a Pentecostal church. And we, we fully embrace, as a local congregation of that, we fully embrace our 14 statements of faith and our doctoral, doctoral commitments. And as a local congregation, uh, these are values that, that will define us. We understand cultivating these values, taking time, prayer, and dedication. And we fully invested in, we're fully invested in the work, working together to meet the commitment of, of God's plan for us, Right? We understand that the vision, the vision of the church to seek the lost, to serve others, to disciple, and to send the discipled. That is what uh, we find as what Jesus' mission was on the earth. And as we are his body, then we are to fulfill and continue that mission that God's given us. And to work willingly and humbly together to achieve that vision. And we've identified five core values that, that we want to try to embrace. When we looked at these values, we recognized that these were not things that we were always attaining to, but this is core values that we felt were pertinent for us to reach God's vision and to develop a sense of unity in the body. And one is to be spirit-led. We That is number one. We have to walk in the spirit. If we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We have to know that it is Christ Jesus who has given us his Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And so we need to be, be obedient to God's word and, and open to his move. And I appreciate Beverly who's stepping in for Miss Megan. Megan's one week away. One week away. Woohoo! Listen, I, I don't mind growing the church by birth either. Amen. Uh, so praise God. Praise God. Lord, send more couples who are in, in, in wanting to expect and who are expecting. Amen? Amen. Let us be spirit-led. But, you know, the second thing is we have to be authentic. There's too much fake in the world. We see that in our business. We see that wherever we go. We, we don't want to be fake. 
We want to be authentic. We want to be pursuing real and honest relationships, being able to say, you know what, this is my weakness. This is the things I struggle with. When we come in, that we, not that we just water down and, and, and um, regurgitate all of life's problems on everybody, but that we can say, you know, when you ask, how are you doing? Well, it's not been a good day. That we can be real with one another, that we can compassionately care for one another and be able to be an Aaron and her for our brothers and sisters to be authentic. We want to be missional. We understand that we, have, uh, we want to be intentional in how we meet the needs locally and globally. And I'm thankful for a church that has a lot of missions, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We want to be life-giving, offering hope and restoration to individuals and families and community. You know, I've stated over this past week, over and over again, that the Lord gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so in any path, any conversation that we have, our goal should be redemptive. Our, our goal is not condemning. Our goal is not to cast off. Our goal is not to push away. Our goal is redemption and reconciliation. And how can we uh, work together to get on the same page that we, can, that we can join the kingdom plan and be in unity with his purpose? Life-giving, collaborative Collaborative, endeavoring to work united within our church ministries, but also on a greater scale in the kingdom of God across the county, that we can work together and be collaborative to, to encourage one another uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ around the community. So these are five core values that we have uh, talked about and established to help us to, to reach those goals. Amen? And you know, when I think about the, those core values, also there's certain behaviors that we have to, to work on too, is walking in integrity, respect, long-suffering. And I'll get into some of those in a minute. Encouraging, patient, valuing. And so that's kind of our mission statement. That's kind of our, uh, our purpose, our vision, our values of how we want to reach that goal and I look, at, I look at our church, and man, this church has so much going on. We are, uh, you know, I, I love sitting on the soccer field and uh, hearing a group of people talk about uh, going to AMCOG. I mean, we, we have a lot of visibility, uh, but what do we do with the visibility? Maybe that's one of our, as in Spanish, they call it debilidades. Our weaknesses, our, our debilities. But you know, when I think of the strengths of this church, I think uh, of the care. We're a caring church. I think of compassion. And I, and I had a, a kind of a, a group of people that I was just talking with today. I said, what do you think some of the strengths of this church are? What do you think some of the weaknesses are? And just try to pull some of that from, from them as well. Uh, being um, subjective and looking at our church and, you know, care, compassion, love. I hear people talk about, man, you, your church just loves on people. And I, and I believe that. When I look across the church, some of our strengths is our ministries. We're a, an outreach-oriented church. We have Celebrate Recovery, um, which I think we had something like 40-something people here last night. I mean, it was just amazing to be able to love on people who are uh, who have hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and recognizing that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups in some way or another, and that we can uh, come together and love on folks who are hurting. We, ha we have a, a wonderful children's ministry. We have global missions. When I think of global missions, uh, you know, we have a missionary to, to Africa that we support. We have a missionary to Belize, Alvaro Padilla, that we support. We have a, a Kingdom Bilingual Educational Center and also Vessels of Mercy Clinic, uh, in Honduras, we have Operation Christmas Child that we're a part of, and 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 we're a big part of in our county and such a uh, in our region. Great, great ministry. We have uh, Manning Thornton, that's a, mi a missionary uh, educator. These are missions, mission projects, and missions that we are part of and connected with. But continuing in outreach, we have God's Closet, uh, who you know I appreciate Miss Sue, who is so consistent being there and you know I just I had the privilege of visiting a, a guy who called the church and said I just just need to talk to a pastor and I went this I went uh, Tuesday and sat down with him and he's and he was just sharing you know uh, of of his journey through cancer and all this stuff and he's like he said pastor I have all these clothes that I can't use anymore you know you have a place I said absolutely do we have a place 
but knowing that we have a ministry to be able to, to um, clothe those who are in need, right? And uh, the homeschool co-op, where we have close to 80 students now between the high school and the uh, enrichment co-op, and knowing that we're meeting a need. And, and, and sad, it's sad to see the, 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 the situation of the school and the educational system in the world. And I pray for, for redemption for the school system, praying God uh, breaks the curse of some of the things that are trying to be taught to our kids and in the indoctrination of the world. But I'm thankful that we have the wisdom and the, and the uh, people who are excited about helping those who don't want to be a part of that system. Who, who want their kids to be raised in an environment of Christianity, to hear the Word of God, and to, and to have a good education in the process. So a homeschool co-op. We have Parents' Day Out uh, program, jumped Mana Outreach Ministries, which feeds, uh, pre-COVID, we were feeding close to 220 families a week. And, and to think that we were feeding over 1,000 families every single month, different families, 1,000 different families a month. And to recognize that, that we're making an impact to help people who are struggling and hurting and, and without the resources to be able to, to feed uh, those folks. Uh, post, post-pandemic, we're at about 180 to 200. So we're still touching a lot of lives. But um, Parents' Day program that is expanding into Tuesdays and Thursdays and and uh, we already have a waiting list on, on uh, Monday and Wednesday for one of the classes. And so we're expanding, being able to reach a, meet a need for, for young families who need a place to, to, to bring their kids and then can offer an environment where they're hearing the Word of God as well as being uh, taught. So it's great, great, great stuff, right? We have SWAT ministries, our, uh, and that's not SWAT or fly. We have... Seniors with a testimony, and man, I love to see the activities that these guys, the senior adult ministry that are doing and doing a great job. Youth, uh, somebody said they love to see our young people up front and center, and I love seeing our young people hungry and on fire and seeking God, and that's uh, it's just an encouragement to all of us. Another thing that I love to see about our church, uh, which I believe is a strength, is our volunteer force. Man, we have uh, a wonderful workforce in this church. Now, granted, sometimes you have to be asked, <laughs> but, I mean, literally, you could ask just about anybody in this church, and they say, hey, what can I help you with? And I appreciate the, the volunteer workforce of our church. I love the atmosphere of worship. I love to see the, the, the service and, and the atmosphere of just uh, the ushering in of the presence in the music service. What a, what a great... A blessing it is to uh, to experience and and to be sitting on the front row and it not just be coming from the platform but just hearing that spontaneous worship coming from the uh, congregation man that just whoo that just makes me want to jump and shout and run right um, and then the word knowing that we have great teachers who uh, who are faithful to giving the word correctly, discerning the word of God, and what a blessing that is. Some areas that I feel like that uh, we can work on. How many know that we've got some areas to work on? Amen. Assimilation. We, we, don't, we don't often do the best in, of assimilating new people into uh, areas of ministry. That's something that, that we want to work on. We want to be able to gather information, we want to be able to identify giftings, we want to be able to place people in their gifted areas so that they can feel fulfilled and know that they are loved, wanted, and needed in our church. And, and so everybody has a want to be wanted, a need to be needed, and a love to be loved, right? And so uh, an assimilation process that really helps uh, bring people together, a collaboration, understanding that, you know, it's not my ministry, it's not your ministry, it's God's ministry, and that we learn to collaborate together without, you know, feeling like there's a stepping on toes of one or another. But we're all on the same team. And the team is King Jesus, right? And we're here to work together with him. That's something that we have to work on. It's a constant process. Some use collaboration as communication. Communication is always a struggle, especially in volunteer organizations. And it's something you have to consistently work on to, to help. Entitlement. And, and this is something that I recognize that it's, it's a cultural thing. It's cultural in the United States. Uh, any 
one nation, you know, that, that is a prosperous nation finds, them, finds themselves in places of entitlement. And when there's an entitlement environment, sometimes there's a lack of grace given. Sometimes there's a, I want to do it my way uh, mentality. Sometimes there's reactionary. You know, we, instead of uh, listening and, and being willing to, to hear, uh, it, it's, we become reactionary because we have learned and gained the right. We, this is our right. And that is very much a, de- a democratic society that we live in that has cultivated a, uh, an atmosphere of entitlement to, that we deserve this. This is what we want. And, and so there, then, then also you can hear it even in the political realms. There's a lack of respect of authority today. You know, you, you constantly are hearing, you know, the bashing of authority. And, you know, I remember growing up, and not that I'm asking you to do this, okay? I want you to understand that. But when, when I was growing up, you never called a pastor by his first name. It was always brother so-and-so or pastor so-and-so. You know, and it was usually pastor their last name, you know? And uh, so, we, and, and not, like I said, not that I'm asking you to do that, but I, just the essence of understanding the level of respect has gone down even in ministry. Um, so also we, we find ourselves as critics more than, more than participants or solution finders because everybody can find something to be critical about. And, and it's easy to chatter about it. Another, another word of chatter be gossip about it than to actually have real conversation to see what can we do to better the situation. Uh, the other side is that we have to be careful in a, an entitlement environment not to be pessimists, but to be optimists. What are we looking for to see God do magni- magnific- magnificently? Amen. So another thing that I see that uh, areas that we have to work on is unity. We have to work on being unified. It is a process. It is something that we have to strive for. You'll hear this word in just a minute. Other things are small group ministry. Widow and widower ministry, something that we have a lot of widow and widowers, and, we, and are we caring for them appropriately? Are we working with them, you know, and making sure that they are uh, touched and loved and cared for? I mean, uh, true religion, undefiled before God, is what? Caring for the orphans, right? Caring for the widows. Are we doing those things? Are we uh, making a way to, to minister to those? Young couples. Young couples is an area that uh, I don't know that we have a strength in. And so... Those are some areas that I see are, are areas of strength and, and things that we have to work on, areas that we have to work on. When I look at the churches of, of Revelation, and I see the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the uh, Pergamos and Thyatira and, and Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicean church, you know, I, I see that our church... Churches all around us, we can all have bits and pieces of all of that. There, there, there can be sometimes a loveless environment like the Ephesus church where it's just work, work, work. And it's good things. You know, how many understand that we can do great religious things, but if we've lost our first love, right? And so do we do out of relationship or do we do out of obligation? Do we do out of just trying to gain access rather than and attention rather than doing it because we love God so much. And it's not about recognition. It's not about a pat on the back. It's not about a position. It's because I want to see the kingdom of God advance so much that I love doing for God. Church of Smyrna. I don't know that we are any of us in here that are the persecuted church. I don't, know, I don't see us in that role yet. Yet. <laughs> um, we are not having our heads chopped off. We're not being, you know, we're not having to uproot and move our whole families, you know, uh, out of uh, Iran or Iraq or or Syria because of the persecution of the church. We're not seeing that yet. I pray that it never happens. I pray that you know uh, we get caught up in the glory before that that moment comes. But. Um, you know, we're not a comp- I, I, I do believe that we see bits of compromise. I, I believe that we see uh, because, and not that we compromise intentionally. Not that we are out there looking for things to mix with. We're not, as the Nicolaitans, or, or um, you know, we're not trying to, trying to mix the gospel with other things. But we definitely put other things before God in our lives. 
And that's something that we have to identify and that we have to recognize and that we have to ask God, God, reveal to us truth and help us to be surrendered to you. I don't believe that, um, that we're a corrupt church like Thyatira. Um, but, you know, it's easy for corruption to come in. And that's what a part of walking in the Spirit, that we have to guard ourselves from the, from the corruption of the world. Uh, Sardis was considered a, a dead church. And, and, and I believe that we are experiencing a sense of revival right now. Does that mean that everybody is revived? No, we're, but I believe that we're sensing a, a revival right now and a, a hunger. And I see more people coming hungry for God who are participatory in worship, who want to draw near, who are looking at avenues that they can draw near. I see people coming earlier and praying and spending time in the altars before service because they want God to move. That's exciting. I believe that uh, there's elements of the Philadelphia church. We're a faithful church. We've got a lot of faithful folks. And uh, lastly, the Laodicea church, there we have to guard ourselves from being lukewarm. I have to guard ourselves from being lukewarm. So it brought me to a scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, love this passage of scripture. It says, Therefore I, the prisoner, of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner. I know that I'm reading New King. I have New King James in front of me, and I have New American Standard. So I apologize if I confuse you. What's on the, on the board? Implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And when I think about this scripture, I, pl- I prisoner implore you to walk worthy of the call. I really have this. This begins back. In chapter 3, and he speaks of himself as the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And, and, and take, you have to go back to the therefore. Therefore takes you back to, to chapter 3 and seeing this. Beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you have been called. This takes us to the first three chapters. All the spiritual blessings that have been, that have been given to us in Jesus Christ. I think sometimes uh, when I look at this, I uh, think of Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee divided the, the book of Ephesians into three different sections. And he, he, the first part was the sitting. The second part was, was the walking. And the, the third part was the stand. And, and, and I recognize that sometimes we uh, focus on this one section of walking this out. But really, when you, when you look at this, therefore, in this in this. Ephesians chapter 1, it really brings us back to because of these things that have gone before us, because of what the Lord has done for us, because we have sat in the presence and understand who he is and what he's done, uh, when you look at the blessings of redemption, when you look at being made alive in Christ Jesus, uh, then we have the ability then to walk worthy of that. When you look at what it means to be called to be a ch- the children of God by adoption, we, we see God has accepted us. Verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, God has accepted us. Chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has redeemed you. Uh, verse 7 also says, He has forgiven us you of your sins. Verse 9 of chapter 1 says, He had made you known, uh, He has made known to you the mystery of His will. Uh, you, have, you have been made an heir of God in verse 11. He has Uh, He has sealed you with the Holy Spirit, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 5 says, He has made you alive together in Christ Jesus. He has saved you by grace in that same verse. Verse 6 of chapter 2 said, He has seated you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. These are things that that we have experienced that Christ Jesus has done for us. Amen? He's working in you to prepare you to accomplish His eternal his eternal purpose, according to verse 10 of chapter 2. He has brought you near by the blood of Jesus Christ, verse 13. He has reconciled you to God, in verse 16. He has given you the access by the Holy Spirit to the Father, verse 18. He has made you a fellow citizen of the house of God, verse 19. In verse 22, he now dwells in you by his Spirit. Isn't that powerful? 
Thank you, Jesus. And I know personally that I'm guilty of preaching many sermons of how to live, what you should do, how to fight. And I don't spend enough time on what Jesus has done for us that gives us the ability and the empowerment to do the things that he's done. I mean, he literally lays the groundwork in the first three chapters, letting us know what what Christ Jesus has done in us, what God has done for us by Christ Jesus and the power available through the Holy Spirit so that we can accomplish what he's called us to do. He's given us all the equipment necessary, everything necessary to walk worthy of this call. But when we try to walk worthy without the aid of all that God has done, it becomes a a frustration. It becomes futility. I mean, how many have known young Christians who get burnt out and wore out from trying to live the life of, of a Christian because they don't understand the tools and the gifts that God's given them from the beginning? God, help us not to create frustrated saints, but help us to be willing to walk patiently with those who are growing. Uh, I met with a gentleman this past week and loved his heart. He said, Pastor, I'm teaching a Bible study in a nursing home. It's a group of 80-year-olds. I said, wow, that's awesome. He said, they're baby Christians. And I'm thinking, 80-year-old baby Christians. Isn't that amazing? He said they were all raised in Catholic church and they really don't understand what it means to walk in Christ Jesus. They, and he said it, it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to just see their eyes gleaming with hope. And you know, it, it, just because we see somebody 80 years old doesn't mean that they're a mature Christian. Just because we see people who have been in church for 30 and 40 years doesn't mean they're a mature Christian. And so... Uh, being able to get into the meat of God's word uh, and sometimes just the, the, the understanding of what God has did for us and how he works in us gives us the ability from sitting at his feet to walking in his work. Amen? What does it mean to walk worthy of the call? When you look at this uh, scripture, it says, with all, verse 2 of chapter 4 says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. When I think of this, that the, the word to walk in humility, Paul speaks of himself throughout his writings. He speaks of himself as the least of the apostles. And, you know, I'm thinking, wow, this man is one of the greatest apostles that's ever lived. And yet he considers himself to be the least of the apostles, not even being worthy to be called an apostle, but but he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Recognizing that we're not entitled, but we are who we are because of his grace, not because of any measure of of, of understanding that we have gained in our own abilities because every ability we have is a gift of God. Chapter 3, verse 8, he referred to himself as less, less than the least of all the saints. Can you imagine that? Less than the least of all the saints. This is the Apostle Paul. Wow. In the Greek culture, humility was not considered a virtue. They had this, this word, and I'm going to see if I can pronounce it. Um, megaloposachia. Megaloposachia. I'm not speaking in tongues there. Just pr- trying to pronounce this word. It, it literally means mega mind. It's the opposite of humility that they cons- considered a v- virtue. Their virtue is attaining to the greatest. Attaining to deity. The reason it is considered a virtue by us is that as Christians, we live not for our own glory. We don't live our life for ourselves. We we live our life not for worldly praise or worldly identification or worldly recognition. We live for the glory 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's him and him alone. Amen. The other word that's used there is gentleness or meekness. When you look at the, the Greek word, that, that word is, uh, Aristotle defined it as the mean between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. I know that sounds weird, but being too angry and never being angry at all. And, and there are injustices in this world that should make us angry, but we should not be angry over every little thing that happens to us. The same Greek word is used for an animal that has been tamed. It's like a, 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 a big horse. and You get on it and this horse could absolutely ravage you. I've been on a, a wild horse and been bucked off and almost crushed by a hoof print that landed very gently on my chest. Thank the Lord. But you take that same tamed horse and... And you, ride, you can ride that thing cross-country if you wanted to. You might be hurting, but you could. <laughs> the other word is, is long-suffering. That word long-suffering, it, it is the spirit that never gives up. It's a spirit that never concedes defeat. The Romans did... There's two sides to this word. It, it, the Romans did not ever even think of losing a war. They might lose the battle, but they never saw themselves as defeated. It's kind of like Tennessee this past week, you know. I know I wasn't supposed to talk about that. <laughs> but I will say this, that um, I watched a message board for Clemson, and uh, somebody said that we're projected to play Alabama or LSU and somebody said can we lose just one more game <laughs> so we don't have to play either one of those the word long suffering is the is the belief in the ultimate victory but the second meaning is patience with mankind the spirit that has the power to take revenge but never does has the ability to be angry, but never uh, follows through that. Paul amplifies that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, bearing all things, believing all things, and hopes in all things, right? It's kind of like my little toy schnauzer that, that yips and barks and comes out courageous. Uh, we were walking the other day, and there's a big old dog on the back side of our property and our little dog runs up and its fur just stands straight up and like I'm going to tear this dog to pieces I'm thinking no come back here get over here you're about to get eat up like a little puppy yapping at a big old <laughs> large dog it bears insult and injury without complaint it is one of the characteristics that God has Number four of that is bearing with one another in love. We understand the word love is agape. And, and when I think of the word agape, there's four different words used for love in the Bible. There's the eros, which is the passion or passions. There's the phileia, the, the emotional love. There's the storge, which is the family love. But then there's the agape, a word coined for the New Testament, love on a spiritual, deep level. And so when I think of this word, I also recognize in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it gives us almost the definition of what that love looks like. In verse 4 it says, charity or love suffers long and is kind and it, it, it envies not. It, 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 is, um, it doesn't seek itself, its own ambitions. It is not puffed up with pride. Verse 5 says, does not have itself, does not behave itself unseemingly. It doesn't seek its own, is not easily provoked. It, it doesn't think evil. It's not rejoicing in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love or charity never 
fails. Galatians gives us another view of that in Galatians chapter 5 and 22 when it gives us the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, and faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there's no law. That's what true love, agape love, teaches us. It goes on and says, that verse 3 says, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Endeavoring to keep unity in the Spirit and the bond of peace. There have been so many divisions of churches, right? I mean, it, it, it's unique. I lived in Loretta, Tennessee for four years. And when I first went into the community, literally a mile down the road was another church of God. And then about two miles from that, down on a back road in the middle of the country is another church of God. And so, you know, you, you start hearing the, the stories. And, and literally, one church was planted because two bro- the, the dad was the main pastor, and then the son succeeded him as pastor, but the other brother wanted to pastor, so the other brother and him split because they, were, they didn't get along and the sister-in-laws didn't get along, so they started another church down the road. Lord, help us, right? There's been a lot of division in the body of Christ. It's essential that we seek to keep the unity of the Spirit. I mean, if you look further on down in the chapter, he will speak of the unity of the faith. And And I recognize that. Sometimes I wonder, can we have this type of unity here on earth? Because of the condition of man. But we should in the body of Christ. I think too many times we would, we think, I think we look forward to getting to heaven to prove that we're, that our, our doctrinal position is correct. You know, well the Baptist is going to be in the front or the church of God is going to be in the front. Or, yeah, we, we, we get to heaven thinking, well, who's going to be Right? It has nothing to do with it. Man, do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, then you're going to have a compassion for the whole body of Christ and a desire to see the kingdom of God flowing together. It's, it's when we see the unity of the body of Christ, we see the oil flowing down, the, even the beard of Aaron, that, that we see the commanded blessing. And, and I believe it's as we, the world sees the unity of the body. I mean, this past week I preached a men's revival and, and there, were, there were about four or five different churches there. But one of the churches that impressed me the most was a Methodist pastor who said, who said we, are, we are struggling because we no longer identify with the organization that covers us. And our church is looking for a covering and we just want to be a part of the body of Christ that is that is faithful to the doctrine of his word. I'm thinking, come on, right? And and too many times we're looking for differences of opinion. We're looking at picking a fight. I mean, uh, I remember a a gentleman that I did his funeral here uh, probably 14 years ago. And his brother, his, it was, um, it was your aunt's husband, Johnny, his dad. And I went to him and, and she was just talking to him about the Lord. And, and he told me, he said, you know what? The reason that I have not surrendered my life to God is I sit on the same operation line, the, the assembly line that I work on, and I hear these religious people, these church people arguing over simplistic things. He says, I've read the Bible. But if that's what it's about, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And to be able to sit down with this man and say, no, it's... I said, we're not here to argue. We're here to say, you know what, we're on the same team. We're here to win the lost, to love on people, to show them, to disciple them with truth. And, and be able to, to lead this man into a relationship with God hours before he passed away was such an honor. But how many times do we turn people away only focusing on things that will not affect our entrance into heaven. 
I think sometimes we, we'll wait to get up there. We want to say, I told you so. <laughs> That's not the way it's to be, right? Proverbs tells us that God hates those who cause division among the brethren. Paul told the Romans to mark those who caused divisions among them. In Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he said this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says, Now I beseech you, and I'm reading the King James, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that, that there are no, be no divisions among you, that, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Verse 12, now this I say that every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Paulos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? Powerful, right? In the third chapter, Paul speaks of the divisions uh, as marked by, by carnality, and I'm I'm not going to spend time with that. But if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 3. But, but we need to recognize it and even appreciate the diversities of the body. Man, we are so diversified. We're, everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different talents. And we need to value and appreciate all those talents. I was... Um, reading a book by Mark Rutland called Relaunch. It's a, it's a great book on uh, basically rejuvenating or restarting. And this, He wrote this book uh, based on the fact that he had actually went to uh, Oral Roberts University when it was literally about to close down, and God gave him the wisdom to be able to rejuvenate that university, and, and now it's doing very well. And to another university he went to. And, and one of the things that... that uh, that I grabbed out of that, and I'm not going to say it correctly, but, you know, he's talking about different leadership styles. He said that there were those leaders who were, you know, like, uh, like just rule, 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 rule. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And it was like you're staying on the tracks, but it was so rigid that it caused the train just to screech all the time. And it wasn't getting very far. He said that there's some leaders that are just so creative and they'll just take you everywhere but then they they can float you off somewhere that you there has to be a balance you have to value and appreciate both sides um, and both giftings there are those who help you maintain um, direction maintain fidelity and then there's those who have been called to be creative and and push creativity within the church and not to to pull you off but to give life to value everyone, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 tells us, Now there are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse 5, And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 8, For the one is given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom. Another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. To another, faith. By the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing. By the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles and prophecy and discerning of spirits and different kinds of tongues and another interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the same self-spirit, dividing to every man severely as he will. For as the body is one, hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one, also is Christ Jesus. For by one Spirit we are all baptized in the one body, whether we are, be Jew or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Thank you, Jesus. I'm glad that there's not more Paul Dyer's because I don't think Kim could handle another one. <laughs> but I'm glad there's, that you guys are so talented. You guys are so gifted. You guys have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto mankind. He's given gifts to every one of us. 
And, and, and though the enemy has tried to taint those gifts, though the enemy's tried to, to hurt us, to kill, steal, and destroy, whether it, be through, um, whether it be through hurts that have happened to us, who try to taint our vision and, and view and, and try to keep us off track, we can still love and appreciate and value and help bring healing and wholeness and life to everyone, working together for the purpose of the kingdom of God. The result of keeping the, the unity of the Spirit will be the bond of peace. We'll be all bound together in the peace of Christ. It is amazing how so many people will not let you take a neutral issue. I'm a, I'm a um, NCIS person. I know but NCIS, there's, uh, of course, there's Gibbs, there's Denozo, there's Tim, there's uh, David. And uh, I remember Gibbs came in and asked David, she, he says, have you ever been to Switzerland? And she said, yes, many times. He says, well, you're, you're going to be Zurich in this situation. And sometimes we need to learn to be Zurich. We need to learn to be neutral and help bring peace. For blessed are the peace makers, right? The idea is that we're not here to force anyone on one side or the other. We're here to force people. We're here to open people's eyes to truth, to the Word of God, and the reality that we are, that we have a united purpose, a purpose to reach the lost and to love people and to Encourage people to find wholeness and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lastly, I believe that we've been called to be representatives of Jesus Christ. There's no, no, no higher calling than to be a representative of the King of glory and the King of kings. We're ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And when you think of being ambassadors of Jesus Christ, you know, we, we can go on, and this, this passage is amazing because it talks about uh, it goes on and says that, and he gave some to be apostles, prophets, you know, evangelists, pastors, teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's a lot. We have the greatest challenge and the most amazing opportunity before us. It's a difficult one. But that challenge is to do our best to walk in unity in the body of Christ. To to value and encourage when we see something that we don't understand, that we have real conversations that help me understand. I want to walk with you. I want to be on the same team with you. I want to, I want to understand. I don't want to be uh, anti. I don't want to be one who calls division or, or dissension. I just want to know truth. And, 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 you know, being able to go to the person that you don't understand, being able to speak truth in love, as this scripture tells us. Being able to embrace one another. Being able to, I know that we don't like to use tolerate any longer, but the word tells us to, to tolerate. And sometimes that, there's sometimes that we're going to walk with somebody and, 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 and not completely agree. Let me say that this way. We're going to love somebody We might not always understand the method, but as long as it's not anti the word of God, we can walk with them. I mean, even the disciples looked, the disciples looked at others who were doing the work of God, and Jesus said, if, if, if they're not against us, they're for us, right? I mean, so there might be others doing things in the kingdom of God that I don't understand. I don't understand their methods, but man, they're absolutely winning people for Jesus Christ. And you can see the results of the discipleships that's taking place. But God's called us 
to a purpose of unity, a purpose of building the body of Christ. I think there's some, or I heard one pastor talk about the fact that, you know, for most of his ministry, he preached evangelism, 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 you know. And every Sunday, it was about, you know, you need to get saved. You need to, to you know. He said what he realized later on is that he was beating the sheep. He had never moved past to realize that his, his calling, according to this word, is to, is to build up the body of Christ. It's the edification of the body. It's to the unification of the body. He says, I've, I've taught them they need Jesus, but I've never taught them how to walk in Jesus. I've never taught them who they are in Christ Jesus. And so he, he said, I really, literally had to re, redo my whole mentality of how I preach. And I will say that I had one pastor tell me one time, especially when I first started out ministry, I was at South Haven Church of God. And man, I was, I, every Sunday, man, I was, I was trying to resurrect the dead. <laughs> every Sunday, I was just beating them up, you know. You don't worship, you don't do this, and you don't do that. You need to get right with Jesus. And one, one old pastor told me one day, he said, he said son, you're killing your life trying to res- resurrect the dead. <laughs> hey, we all, we all struggle with something, right? He said, if you will preach to the life, he said, God is in the resurrecting the dead business. So I had to change my mentality. I had to reevaluate. And I periodically have to stop and say, Lord, what are you, what am I, what are you leading me to? What are you leading us as the body of Christ? What are you leading Alcoa Maryville Church of God? What are you leading us to? What are you directing us in? How are we to impact this community? How can we do better at caring for those who you sent us? How can we, how can we be more appropriate with the visitors and the follow-up and all those things? How can we do better? God, show us. Help us. Send laborers in the kingdom that has a passion for reaching and touching the, the hurting and broken Lord, don't let us have a revolving back door where just people flow in and flow out and we, we're, never, you know, we're, we're never connecting. Help us, God, learn how to connect. Help us to assimilate. Help people when they see us. They walk in the door and they can just sense the presence of God. They just want to be a part because they recognize there's something, there's something amazing about these people. There's been a family that's, that's been here for the last three, no, last two Sundays and then they were, they were here Sunday before. I've been here three Sundays in complete. A little Latino family. And I, I thought I'd run them off. Because <laughs> if I have the opportunity to speak Spanish, I'm going to speak Spanish. You know what I'm saying. And the, and the little lady says, we don't speak Spanish. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to, you know, profile you or anything. I mean, I just, and then, you know, I let them know. And, and it was so good to see them coming back. And I just pray that God sends more and more. Help us to be culturally diverse. Help us to be racially diverse. Help us to be a, a center a, a, where the hurting can come and find a hospital be healed. Amen? That's my desire. And look, guys, I, I pray that I've not done anything to run anybody off. I pray that, uh, that I love uh, everyone. Um, I pray that that you know that you have the right to come and talk to me. If you see it, if I have a blind spot that I don't see, come and talk to me. Because I am not uh, a perfect. I'm not uh, the Pope who they look at as perfect, which I don't believe is perfect. <laughs> I'm just a man who puts his britches on every day, just like everybody else. I'm a man who has four kids who sometimes drive me insane. Look, it's a struggle. Two. Two teenagers in the house. Look, I, I yeah. It's a, it's a struggle that, that we don't spend enough time to go on a date. Uh, I have to schedule the date. It's a struggle. We're, 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 just, we're just humans. We're just real people. And when we see someone in the church struggling and we don't understand, we, we try, to, try to meet with them, try to say, hey, what, what, how can we help? How can we figure out what's going on because we do care we absolutely care about everyone in this church we really do want everyone to feel apart connected 
And when we don't see connection, we wonder what's going on. It's not because we're against. It's not because we're anti. We really do care. And I pray that that is the message that we are able to give, is that we, want to, we don't want any contention. We don't want any frustration. We don't want any misunderstanding. And I know we're human. We're going to have it. But let's do our best to, to squelch the chatter or anything that would cause contention. And, and let's go to sources and say, hey, what's going on? How can we fix this? Because we're on the same team. And that's God's team. And we love each other with all of our hurts, habits, and hang-ups and craziness. We love each other. We do care. And I hope that you know that's my heart. Um, it really is. It hurts me when that's not always portrayed correctly. It, 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 it makes me not sleep. But I love you. Lord Jesus, I pray, God, that we as the Alcoa Maryville Church of God will look through these seven churches that we have been studying and that we will identify our own strengths and weaknesses. That we'll look personally in ourselves as we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. And I pray, God, that you would help us to as David cried out, show me your way, O Lord. Lead me into your paths of righteousness. God, if there be any wicked way, if there be anything that would keep me or hinder me from walking in unity with the body of Christ, if, if, it's, if it's a pride, if it's, if it's a hurt from the past, if it's an unforgiveness that I'm having trouble with, Lord, God, help me to identify those things. Lord, as this scripture goes on and tells us that that we need to expose things. And Lord, I pray that you will expose things in us personally, that, that we can identify those things, that we can be healed of, and that we can be made whole, that we can learn to walk in your spirit and trust your plan. We love you, God. And I pray that you'll make us the most effective and efficient church in this community. Lord, this church is 101 years old. We're still here. Lord, we're still plugging along. But God, are we doing everything we can to fully reach the potential that you have placed in us? And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to identify any weakness, every area that would, that would not be honoring to you. And Lord, help us to surrender and submit to your will and your truth and allow you to do the work in us. We love you, God. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys uh, for, thank you, Dr. Mosier, for putting us on this journey and, and uh, you know, allowing us. I'm planning on, this is my plan. I know that next week was a little different, and I think Derek needed a, um, a little time. He's, this guy right here is Mr. Brain. He is finishing up a Ph.D., which we are so proud of you, my brother, uh, that is a huge uh, accomplishment, um, and I so I appreciate you, uh, you know, being willing to take that time to finish that up. But next week, I'm planning on preaching. Just I'm gonna come out and lay the wood. Is that all right? Um, so let's come and enjoy next week, uh, and just have a good time in the Lord. We'll we'll worship and we will preach, and then uh, we'll have our Thanksgiving week. Um, and then after the Thanksgiving, we'll, we're going to go into um, the Advent, and we have some amazing teachers uh, who are going to be teaching it's women in ministry. We're going to have some women in ministry who are going to be teaching through the Advent uh, through to Christmas. Uh, Christmas, uh, we will have Sunday morning on Christmas Day. We won't have Sunday school, but we'll have a candlelight service starting at 11 o'clock with some, with some acoustic um, uh, Christmas music. And uh, Miss Candy, our resident children's pastor, is going to be sharing the word that day, the last candle of the Advent, and it's going to be a great time. So let's get ready. This coming Sunday, if you haven't signed up for uh, some casserole, some kind of dessert, or some kind of something, there's sheets in the back. Sign up. We're going to have a great time of just fellowshipping together and
we're going uh, we're going to feast on the word, and we're going to feast on some good old food. All right, so come and enjoy and be blessed, guys. Love you very much. Have a blessed evening.